Let's do this. Welcome to a nice shift football podcast. It's episode 131. Uh, no intro this week with a little jingle and stuff. We're down, we're under man. Tommy's away. I've got Cooper here though. How you doing, man? Good, Sam. How are you? Excellent. Uh, I'll start by catching you off guard and asking you your initial visceral reaction to the weekend's football. How are you feeling about it all? Uh, oh, a little bit flat. Um, Points <laughs> dropped in places that potentially there was opportunities for them to not be for a couple of my teams. Yeah. And just, you know, Man City finally back to the top is a little bit disturbing. It is disturbing. Um, it's unfortunately one of those weeks where I think we're going to do a lot of talking about referees, which we try not to do all the time, but you just can't help it. They're there. They're central to the game. And they're um, they're pounding away at our, our well-being with some of their decisions lately. We're going to talk about some of it in the red edition as well. We've got a red edition to come. Adelaide United's draw with Melbourne Victory. Stay tuned for that. Um like I said, Tommy's not here because he's off and uh, celebrating Leeds' win over Leicester, I presume. Well, yeah. That's all he could be doing. I can only imagine. I heard it's a Melbourne Cup day, Sicky, but... Ah, uh, okay. So he can't go on the pod because he has... Yeah, fair enough. All right. Let's jump straight into some Premier League stuff. I'll just quickly start with fantasy because uh, you're beside yourself with this week's leading point getter, uh, Stasi Dimku. I hope I'm saying that properly. Uh, his team kicking dangers. They got 50 points. 50 points this week was the highest score. And why why are you so upset by that? He's got a minus four on the park and he's still beating <laughs> everyone else. And he's out here with Matoma as captain. Oh, Matoma as captain. Fernandez still in his side after all this time. Finally gets a goal. You, I believe our fantasy captain is still Huang uh, <laughs> because that's the way Tom wanted to do it. And I've let him have full reign over I the Nazi have... fantasy team. And that was a mistake. I actually had a look back at back at yours just before, and Tom's moved the captaincy back to Harland, who had no score involvement in a six-one win, and you would have had a mm. better score if he'd left it on Wayne. Right. Well, there you go. Uh, just a shit weekend. Let's jump into some football games. It started off with a uh, the Friday night game there, or Saturday morning here, wasn't it? Oh no, it wasn't. It was it was Saturday night, wasn't it? There was no early, no early Saturday morning game this week. It was Saturday night, Fulham v Man United at Craven Cottage. The 1-0 win to United, I guess, what, is there anything worth talking about here? Just United grinding out, got a win. Yeah, they got there in the end, not really much to talk about. Um, Fulham were a bit unfortunate at times, but I mean, if you're going to have 18 shots against United, you probably need to test the keeper, who's been a little bit questionable this season more than three times. Yeah. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, I think someone we've already always said on here, he's the sort of guy that will pop up and um, he can win them games off his own boot just by doing something magical. But is he the best team player? Who knows? Um, he's obviously, he's come up with a cracking goal there to win it and get him the three points. But now, um, if from a United perspective, you'd be hoping he could just kick on and not just, not just spend the next six weeks whinging like he always does. Yeah, a lot of chatter about the the banner in the away end prior to kickoff of this game um, that said, play like you mean it. And Scott McTominay mentioned that they all saw it before the game and, and felt, you know, maybe, you know, these people spend a lot of money to follow us around the country. Maybe we do need to pull our fingers out our ass. And I'm not completely sure they did. No, they didn't. Um, but they got three points. We'll take it, roll on. Wambasaka back in the side. Is that his first game back? I believe From so. From injury, uh, that'll help. Hey, Maguire and Johnny Evans still uh, up for grabs there. But uh, 
three points for United, I guess. Roll on. We can't laugh at them too much this week. So hopefully next week's a, a new day. Brentford beat West Ham 3-2. You had a little bit of an eye on this. Yeah, a little bit of an eye again. It's, it seems to be another case of West Ham not putting away an, an average side. They they can't handle these teams that that aren't good enough for them to just sit off and, and break when they get the chance. Um, they're going to rule a few mistakes. Antonio missed just a, a chance that he needs to score. He just sucks. He's just terrible. I was going to say it. He sucks. Well, and I mean, for a guy that they, they've started both in this game, but I, I said the other week that I'd like to see... Um, I'd like to see Kudus started as a striker because it's his genuine position and he's looked good when he's played there for West Ham. But there seems to be this, they won't remove Antonio from this side and Kudus has played on the wing and we've seen what he could do, what he's capable of in this game. He's scored a great goal. I think uh, Antonio would absolutely bully teams in the championship, but the Premier League is just not, I don't think he's there. He works super hard, obviously. He's got that work rate to him. The ability... He's starting to get this weird ego thing as well, um, reminding me a little of Richarlison. Not quite full pigeon dance, but he's on his way. That stuff he talked about Liverpool, and then he didn't show up at Anfield that day. And yeah, like I said, Mohamed Kudus, this goal, uh, probably the goal of the round, I would say. Yeah, I think so. It's a pretty great goal. Good stuff. Uh, Burnley, Neil, Crystal Palace too. I'm assuming you've got absolutely nothing on this. Not at all. Fair enough. Everton won, Brighton won. I'm assuming you got nothing on this either. It's a horrible game of football by the teams. Uh, two two deflected goals, one so much that it went down mm. as an Ashley Ashley Young own goal. Uh, Quick question. Everton, after a win away to West Ham last week, are they happy with a point at home to Brighton? I think probably, given the state of them in comparison to the state of Brighton. Um I mean, well, just they, I mean, in, in the context of Brighton, kind of they're, they're just slipping a little off the radar. You mentioned before we got on to record that they're just starting to slide a little. Yeah, I think in the context of where Everton's sitting in, in a relegation battle in a season where you've got three teams in the relegation battle with six points, four points, and four points. Obviously, with Sheffield getting a win, points are any point you can get is gold. So I don't necessarily think that Everton are going to be too upset with coming away with something from this game. Yeah, it's one of those when you're, I tend to agree, I think, when you're down in where they have been, any point you can get, just keep the momentum going, keep getting the points. Uh, we seem to keep going back to the fact that there's like a whole bunch of shit teams this year. So I know every point is so valuable in the relegation battle every season, but this year it just feels even more so if you can drag yourself that tiny little bit away from the bottom, the dumpster fire down the bottom there. Uh, all the All the good luck to you. Man City 6, Bournemouth 1. You've already mentioned that uh, Holland had no goal involvements in this one, and it, it kills me. But our man, uh, Doku, your man, Doku, who I think people are saying has been in wild form. I'm not sure he has been in incredible form. He seems to have found his way in over, I don't know what's going on with Grealish or if Pep's just, he's just not Pep's guy anymore. But Doku did turn it on on the weekend. He absolutely took the piss in this game. Yeah, uh, two goals and an assist from the first three. Yep. So, um, yeah, Doku. No, so one goal for Doku. Sorry, um, and four four assists. Four assists. Yeah. Okay. So five score involvement still. Both. Yep. Both assists for Bernardo Silva and assist for Manuel Canhi and a Phil Foden assist too, and he obviously opened the scoring himself. Doku. Yeah. Um, 
I spoke about him the other week and I said, I'm, I think he reminds me of like a Sane as in he doesn't necessarily seem to fit in, in this city system because he, the way he plays is just so like, so offensive and so direct that it, it doesn't mould to the way that Pep plays football. And this this still, I know he's come in and had five score involvements, so it might seem like like that comment is, is null and void and a little bit stupid, but this still, to me, reminded me of Leroy Sane's city days where he could he could have days where he, he wasn't involved and he was a, a breaking the chain every time the ball went to him. But he's, he was also good enough that at times he just took the absolute piss. And that's what Doku's done here. Yeah, the individual ability to dribble and run with the ball, that's not really something you think of in a city side. Um, are you well, saying you could also see him disappearing off to Bayern like Sane <laughs> did and fitting in there because he can just run at uh, German defenders all day? Well, my my biggest criticism of Pep in, in his time in the Premier League is that People talk about how the Premier League is the greatest league in the world and and the good in the Premier League is good, but the shit is shit. And, and this is what we've spoken about. We keep coming back to this year about how there is a mob of seriously bad teams at the bottom of the Premier League this yeah. season. But Pep will never break his tactics. He will go to... He'll have Bournemouth come, come to the Etihad and, and pass the ball around, where I have just said in the past, I feel like they've got the quality that if they just ran at them, they'd crumble. And and I feel like this is an example of, you know, Doc who's come out on, on this day and just gone, fuck it, I'm just going to run it this week back four and and just, you know, reap the benefits of it. Yeah, because he was the way he was just he was just taking on defenders and dancing around in the box, skinning people, then whipping it off to get assists. <laughs> uh, an incredible performance. Um Belgian. Yep, Belgian. Belgian yeah. Um they just keep producing them. Yeah, I don't know what their next step is once they lose this. I think we talked about it a few weeks back, but once they lose all these, their so-called golden generation, uh, looks like they've still got a few coming through. And Doku certainly looks like a star. Hopefully he can keep it going. Um, anyone who keeps Jack Grealish out of a football side in the Premier League is... A, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of anyone who does that. Uh, Sheffield 2, Wolves 1. Sheffield got their first win of the season. Three cheers. How good. Huge. We're one step closer to putting Luton back on the bottom where they belong. Oh, that's unnecessary shade of Luton. Are you salty about a certain result this week? Oh, potentially, but no. I mean, good luck to Sheffield. Um, again, this is a huge win in the context of of a team that we were talking about potentially being the worst Premier League team of all time, and the start they've had is absolutely diabolical. They're three points away from being out of the relegation zone now. Yeah, such is how bad the league is down there isn't it it's it's so interesting just with these real shit teams and and i'm going to be intrigued enough to continue to look at this ladder and how it molds but i will not watch any of them play yeah completely fair i'm not investing two hours into a sheffield united and wolves game like i'm gonna i'll happily go off and i'll watch like Cagliari versus like Genoa or someone in syria down the bottom but i'm not watching this um Penalty at the end was a penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, I think there. so. so look, I think so. One of those ones people will say it's soft and you can't give a penalty for that, but it is a foul. And a foul in the box is a pen. We'll take it all day long. That's one of the few things the referees got right this weekend. We'll give them that one. We have to pat them on the back sometimes. How about the penalty? Oli Nord. Yeah, smacked it. Um, he probably, if half an inch higher, it would have been on the halfway line and he would have looked like an absolute fool. But, he would have snapped the crossbar I mean, off. It, to have the balls to step up and do that in the hundredth minute of a game when your team is yet Winless. to win a game this Premier League season is there's something about it. That was my exact thoughts. Was 
are you really just going to step up here and just thump this as hard as you can? If I was taking that penalty, I think in my head I would have gone, I'm just going to pick a corner, and if he saves it, I'm going to go back to the change rooms like, oh, great save. I'm not trying to put this in, <laughs> yeah. put it up where the spiders live and make sure he can't get to it. I would have, uh, if I was taking that penalty, I would have absolutely slotted it into the side netting because that's just what I do. Uh, made a made a living off it in the in the C grade in the C grade. I like to think I'm a real a real down the middle merchant. Oh no, you can't do that <laughs> at our level of football. You can't go down the middle because the keepers aren't diving, or they're waiting for you to kick it and taking their chances <laughs> that you're not good enough to get it too far to the side of them. You can't go down the middle. Um, good on you, Sheffield. We'll see how it goes. There was absolute limbs around that stadium after that goal. Um, the last game in the morning, I'll just I'll give you a bit of an insight into my Sunday morning here. Number one, hungover, uh, Derby Day races into A League, into you know Premier League all night. Newcastle Arsenal at four a.m. There was also a De Classica between Dortmund and Bayern Munich that morning. There was also a Milan played Udinese at home uh, that morning. Also, all three of those teams lost. So loyal listeners of this pod will know I'm a fan of all three clubs and woke up with three losses there. And I decided to not rewatch any of that. I didn't know the scores, but I got up and decided to rewatch the Copa Libertadores final, which I think we can talk about maybe at the end, but I'm glad I did avoid this one. I went back and rewatched the mini match and just quite frankly, Arsenal not good enough and um, controversial refereeing decisions aside, Newcastle deserved their three points. Yeah, I mean, another case of 14 shots on goal for one shot on target for Arsenal. These these teams and these players, if they want to be competitive at the it's top, they enough. need to be testing goalkeepers yeah. more than this as professional footballers. Um, and, I mean, Eddie Nketiah is bouncing back off the game of his career, and quite frankly, he needed to be better in this game. Oh, I feel um, vindicated. And yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that's what it is. You, you're welcome to step up and score a hat trick. And 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 the fact of the matter when he scored the hat trick last week is that whether he does that or not, Arsenal win that game. If he wants to solidify yeah, potentially as a Premier League striker in in a top side, he he needs to step up in these top four clashes. And he had chances in this game. And I mean, I mean, not to just direct on him because because Saka and Martinelli ha- had chances too, and other players had chances, but they need to be good enough to be to be testing Nick Pope more than once. Yeah. Plenty of the ball again, plenty of the shots, plenty of the chances, um, all the corners. I don't think Newcastle had a corner in this game at all. Um, I know that the big one, like Erdegaard is a huge out for this Arsenal team still, even with Rice coming in, obviously. Havertz just not ready to fill that shoe at all. and like Not even ready to fill one of those shoes, <laughs> let alone both of Erdegaard's. Uh, the frustrating continuation of injuries with Thomas Party as well not helping. Uh, I'm not making excuses here, by the way, but these are big outs. And I'm getting really, as an Arsenal fan, we'll talk about Newcastle in a second, but as an Arsenal fan, I'm getting kind of pretty pissed off with Gabby Jesus, this whole situation. He's played such little football since joining. When he has, he's been wild. But why is this guy always injured? What is going on here? Yeah, he needs, I mean the old quote that the best ability is availability and he, he doesn't, he doesn't have enough of it. Oh, for, for that for cliche. Yeah. Um, my biggest, my biggest question to you out of this game, Sam, and, and my biggest question for Mikel Arteta is against a team that is generically pretty good defensively in, in a place that's hard to go at St. James's park, which is becoming hard to go to. 
You've got a midfield of, of Bruno Gimaraes, Joel Linton, and Sean Longstaff. Now, Longstaff and Joel Linton love to get forward. And you've mm. also only got three midfielders in, in that midfield. And they're not they're not setting up as a low block in the midfield. I just wonder how you feel about not starting Alexander Zinchenko in this game and allowing him to play that role where he comes inverted and adds a fourth body to that Arsenal midfield. Uh, I just felt a little bit like it wasn't the game to give Tommy Yasu his start because that extra body in midfield when he had the ball might have helped you break down Newcastle on a few more direct facets. I honestly can't tell you because I've had question marks that I've aired on here about Arteta's lineups since round one this season with some of the choices he made. He played Thomas Party at right back in that game. Um, yeah, think- I'm, I'm, I'm just confused a bit at what his choices are here. I don't know if he's looking to... Champions League and he wants uh, Zinchenko in that. I just, I, I, a lot of people made the comparisons between Arteta and Pep and obviously learned from Pep. I'm wondering if he's also, also got a little bit of that Pep uh, overthinking that comes into it where he's, he's thinking too much about it. Just simply pick your best team and put them out there. Well, that's, I, I mean, Klopp is very much the, pick your best team and put them out there guy in, in the Premier League for these top yeah. sides. That that Liverpool starting 11 is virtually the same 85% of the time. Yeah. Um, the thing I feel with with Pep and Klopp and 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 Newcastle, if you add them in there, and, and, and Ange, the other big managers, is they are willing to rotate their teams. Um, but in the league, your back four is your back four. And Arteta seems to rotate his back four more than anything. And mm. I just wonder whether they would benefit from just letting four guys play consistent football together. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we haven't even got to the fact yet that Havertz should have been sent off. Do we agree? That's straight red? Yeah, straight red. 100%. You can't it's... jump through the air like that. So, Whether you get and... him or not, or you miss him, or just... Well, a lot of people have said that the reason this isn't a red card is because that front leading foot that's high, it only it only really glances probably the shin pad. <sighs> and and it's that, it's that base leg that comes through and just absolutely wipes... I can't remember who it was, sorry, but wipes the Newcastle player out. Um, but regard, it's so dangerous. It's dumb luck. Like whether there's whether there's height, the height is dangerous. There is contact. It studs up. There is contact. It's marginal, at a reckless pace. Yeah, marginal or not, it's so quick. If if that right leg was was low and missed him by ten meters, he still could have broken this leg with that with the pace that he came in in the way he flew in. His <laughs> his base leg could have broken the standing leg of the Newcastle player. <laughs> I just I, I looked at this. 10 times and there was no time that I ever thought how two Premier League quality referees sat there and watched this over and over again and just decided that it wasn't. Yeah, Stuart Atwell in charge of that one. Um, I did say we we're going to talk about Newcastle win will. Just while we're on the referees, though, we may as well talk about the goal uh, for, for Gordon. A lot of being made about the ball, whether or not it was out or not. I'm not too wrapped up in that. Uh, you just got to play to the whistle. That's fine. Whatever. But we're not, <laughs> I don't think at any point they looked at Joel Linton having two hands in the in the back of Gabrielle's head at yeah, any it's, point. It's a foul every day of the week. Um, the ball is six of one, half a dozen of the other. There's no, they've, they've said it's in live. There is no camera angle that's going to show you whether that ball is out or not. And until we get to a point where that entire baseline has in or out technology like we do on yep. the goal line, which is just ridiculous and unnecessary. Professional yep. footballers, you know, that's under sixes stuff is is you don't stop until the referee's blown his whistle, whether you think it's out or not. Yeah. And and so play on from there. But this is a foul on the goal line. 100% it is a foul. And it's led directly to a goal and, and it's determined the outcome of this game. And it's, it's incredibly poor refereeing. 
Yeah, I will say again that Arsenal should do Arsenal should be doing better in this game. They had all the chances. They should be scoring a goal and not having to worry about it. Um, but they didn't. Um, Newcastle held firm. Uh, they took their chance. It's up to the referee to make sure he gets the right call. And I, I think it's a horrible decision. Uh, but also, uh, David Raya has not covered himself in glory either. I don't, I'm still not convinced. I don't know how he's come along and Arteta's decided that this guy is definitively better than Ramsdale. I don't know what Ramsdale's done wrong to be replaced by Raya in the first place. I'm not sure what Raya offers that is better than Ramsdale. It's It's still baffling me. And that ball was... Floated into the six-yard box there with pretty close to the keeper. The ball ends up landing after Jellington headers it down. So uh, didn't cover himself in glory there at all. Now let's talk Newcastle because it is a big three points for them. Um, I mentioned Arsenal's injury, so it's only fair. Newcastle arguably more out of Sandro Tonali, who we know is missing months now for the gambling misconduct. Harvey Barnes is out. Matt Target's out. Alexander Isak didn't play. Uh, neither did Sven Botman. And that yeah. they are they are major outs for a team. Arsenal, you would argue, have a bit more depth to cover their outs. Newcastle maybe don't, or or maybe they do, given the the, the results they're getting with it. Yeah, um, a few weeks back, I questioned their their depth and and the ability of their depth to come in and be good enough. And now Tanali, we know, will miss ten months. And Longstaff was one of the big yeah that I spoke about that I said that you know this guy is your first choice as a replacement for a center midfielder it looks looks grim on paper um he's been excellent the last I need to eat a few words on long stuff two or three weeks he has been fantastic yeah um the the only the issue that this brings me to now is brilliant well done Sean Longstaff he's come in he's filled his role and, and all the power to him if he continues to do it but now the depth in below him is is of an even lower class and and if they lose one more or or they need to rotate again because of Champions League football, this squad is getting weaker and weaker by the minute. Yeah. Um yeah, we know we know that's gonna be something for that's something they're gonna build on, I guess, as the years go. Uh it's only kind of the first season of this, so they're very much in their building phase still. Longstaff, I'm happy to eat my words on. He has been great. Uh good on him. That's enough of that. Forest 2, Villa, Neil, I'm assuming you got nothing on this one either. Just a, a low block from Forest that, that worked so well. Villa just, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe potentially just not classy enough to break that that sort of defence down at the moment. Just a little little blimp in the road, I think, for Villa. They'll be right. Um, Luton 1, Liverpool 1. I'll let you have the floor for this for a bit. Yeah. Jeez. Um, on, on a weekend where Spurs drop points, Arsenal drop points, mm. Um and, and City do City things. This is a horrendous result. For Just thought you'd join the, in and drop points. At the top of the Premier League, you know, they've now three points behind City who cover themselves in goal difference glory every season. You you can't really yeah. afford to get more than a game behind this you, team. And, you can't. And, and these are the kind of results that, you know, the difference between, it sounds ridiculous because we're less than 10 games or 10 games into the season, whatever we are now. But to have a one-point gap in comparison to a three-point gap, you can now go to the Etihad in a few weeks and beat Man City and not be top of the Premier League. And, and that's where we've seen in, in years re- recent years past that beating City twice is sometimes not enough because they're that team that just, they will put together 12 or 13 wins while other teams have results like Liverpool have here. Um, so many chances. Um, that Trent Alexander-Arnold ball over the top to Darwin Nunes, he's he's done so well to to control this in one touch in at a full sprint on on his 
his knee and his, his quad and, and bring it down. But once it's there, I feel, I feel he needs to score. Um, he's, Absolutely. He's and it looks good, but you're, you're a Premier League number nine and a team that must play. He's got to force like a football. save at least. It's got to be they, on target. This Liverpool side must play Champions League football next season. And, and they, at the moment, are instead to compete for a title. If you're going to start as a striker in this team every week, you need to, like you said, it needs to be on target. Um, his miss later in the game, even even worse. Um, don't don't move away from the fact that that Salah needs to score as well. Salah was absolutely terrible in this game. It's one of the worst worst performances I've seen from him in a Liverpool shirt. But you can't necessarily you know rely on one guy every single week as as good as he is. Yeah, there needs to be other players in this team that stand up and and that Nunez chance he he has to score. Quite simply, it's an open goal and he's he's put it over. No bobble, no nothing. He's side footed rather than just getting over the top of it. And it's just it's a huge mistake for a professional footballer. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I am all in on Darwin Nunes, to be honest with you. Like at at 24, the pace he has, the power he runs with, that he makes clever runs, he makes intelligent runs. He's he seems to always be in the right places. Uh yeah, he's Mr. Howler there at the end that after Salah's Mr. Howler as well. The first one he creates at well, and then, like you said, hits the bar. Probably should be hitting the target, but yeah, at twenty-four years old, six foot two, the pace he has, the power. I, I'm a big fan. I think he's got a lot to offer, and just just an exciting player to watch. Um, had that early. What was the early controversy? It's escaped me now. I feel like there was some sort of early uh, controversy thing with him at Liverpool or something he did on the pitch, something um, flog like the headbutt against Everton. Oh, was it? Yeah. Maybe it was that. Um, he's South American and he's twenty four. You got to you, you got to take that with it. You got to expect that when you sign him. Um, he'll be all right. He's good. Um, Liverpool, I think, will also be all right. We were having a bit of a chat on the weekend before the Premier League started. Uh, Tommy was over at mine. We were discussing who's going to win the league, et cetera, et cetera. I think uh, Tom, as predicted, would have more outlandish takes than I. He's probably picking Zambia, Zambia women's team to win it, like he did in the World Cup, but. I I really think Liverpool are the main challengers to City. I still think they are as well. I think they comfortably have the better eleven over Arsenal and Spurs and Newcastle, uh, and definitely Chelsea and United. I don't know why we're even considering Chelsea right now, um, but uh, the injury list isn't as bad as it once was. Obviously, Robertson's a big out and Thiago's a big out, but Thiago hasn't probably been the same player he was at Liverpool and the guys that you've got in there and McAllister, Gravenberg, Sobersly, they're very typecast, all three of them in their energy and the the sort of the way that Klopp wants to play. It's a very typical Jurgen Klopp team. And I, I think they're going to push City all the way. I think City are going to have a down patch. They're playing full strength every week. Pep is, he seems to not, he, he rotates a little but not as much as he probably should. And then he has games where he's up comfortably. And like last week against United, where they were three nil up and he, he only makes two subs and they're really late in the game. Um, I think that could come back to bite him, but um, yeah, the Liverpool side's wrong. How do you feel about the fact that it was Tahith Chong, who the former man United man getting the goal on the, a swift counterattack from Luton. Oh, it's, it's a fantastic counterattack. I mean, say what you, you want about the, the Ross Barkley handball and the potential penalty in the lead up, but Putting that aside, from the moment that this ball comes out of the box, this is this is some goal from Luton. Yeah, and this is this kind of stuff is you know we've spoken about it to the heavens so far on on this episode, but that is the kind of thing that keeps you in the Premier League this season. 
yeah. being out being able to counterattack against good teams or or teams that you know if you could do that against probably one of the top top four sides maybe one of the top two sides in this competition then you're good enough to keep yourself in this league and we, and we wrote Luton off before the season I was a big massive Luton are going to go down so easily and they may still roughly so if they can if they can do these things if they can score these goals and be that good on the counter attack then they, they can keep themselves afloat yeah finding their feet I think there'd be a lot of people happy to see him just see him manage to stay up at least another year just to see how they go it's it, I kind of don't like seeing the team that comes straight back up go down if they're if they're a team that we haven't seen for a while like with Forest or like with Leeds Sheffield can go Burnley can go Bournemouth can go they're the bottom three right now they can go they can take Everton with them that'd be nice um but we can only have three that's the sad reality of relegation unless you ask Tom and we can come up with some sort of scheme to relegate a fourth or or fifth and I just these are these are the you know this league and everyone glorifies the the big six and everything that goes on but the the utter scenes in that that home end at Kenilworth Road when Wild. this goal went in, unbelievable. Yeah. And that's that's what the Premier League's all about. When there's we say, you know, what is the glory of, of coming up to the Premier League and, and is getting relegated really that bad? But you know, these supporters that have been with Luton since non-league football a decade ago, this is an unbelievable moment for them. Was there an absolutely horrific refereeing decision in this game? On the scale of horrificness for refereeing decisions, where is it sitting? This isn't as bad as, as some We're talking Van Dyke being Van uh, Dyke, tackled yeah. to the ground, obviously. This is not as bad as some that we've seen. The the annoyance I have with this is that la- just last week, City broke open a derby when Rasmus Hoyland gave yeah. away a penalty for much less. And we can't... Yeah. We cannot be giving penalties for Rasmus Hoyland sticking an arm out and having one little tug at someone's hip and then pulling his arm away straight away if we aren't going to give penalties for someone fully rugby tackling Van Dyke to the ground. And and I think the reason that, that these aren't given is because referees look at that Hoyland one and they go, oh, that's blatant. He's, he's stuck an arm out and he's pulled him. Whereas these ones where defenders will let, you know, the attacker comes in and the defender will let him come right into him and they just wrap an arm and they go down together. And you can uh, just think, kind of fall over and trip think, them with you. I think, yeah, I think referees look at this and they go, oh, no, that's a, it's six and one half, the dozen of the other. It's a little bit of each side. But that is that is intentional. That is an experienced defender. I believe it was uh, Tom Lockyer. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but that's experienced defending, thinking if you just plant yourself and you let this attacker come into you, I can almost make it look as much as like he's fouled me as I've fouled him. Yeah. This we have to get to a point where we erase this from games and and make you know corners are supposed to be an advantage in this sport. We we can't get to a point where we're taking the advantage away. Yeah. Do you think there's been any on the referees' part any thinking of where the ball was going or and whether or not Van Dyke is getting to it? Oh, I mean. Potentially, it's not. Yeah. It's not something I agree with. By the way, no, like you I'm, know, I'm, when they say, you know, the ones where they knock it past the goalkeeper and it goes out for goal kick or whatever, people, are, oh, he's not getting, getting there. there. Like I don't care. Yeah. You can't just you can't just go around kicking people or tackling people. Like the where the ball is does not matter. Well, if that's, I mean, if that's a free kick floated in from outside the area and Van Dyke's on the edge of the box and the same thing happens, we probably Liverpool probably end up with a free kick. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those ones where the referees looked at it and gone, oh. It, it it probably is a foul. It might be a foul, but geez, I look like a fuckhead if I give this and it ends up being wrong. And it's, yeah. it's just an and on that borderline where it's enough of of enough that enough doubt to to not give it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Penn, uh, pretty pretty blatant. 
I'd be pretty ropeable if I didn't get that one. Uh, the wrestling in the box, it's it's always one of those issues because everyone says, oh, we can't just give him because there'll be 100 penalties a game, but defenders will stop doing it if we start calling them, you know, and it'll be much fairer in those attacking areas. Um, we'll get to the game of the round. Tottenham won, Chelsea four this morning. This was an absolute belter. I only caught the last half an hour. I've since gone and rewatched back some highlights and things, but... Um, Kulisevsky scores early on, and then with Liverpool score twice, both disallowed. Romero gets a straight red. Palmer scores a penalty. Uh, the Spurs players are dropping like flies with injuries, and they're having to make all these subs. Udogi gets a second yellow, uh, and then Jackson scores one of the probably the worst hat trick performance in football history. I would say this Nicholas Jackson. It'd be right up there with. It's probably. It's probably worth less than Archie Thompson's 13 against American Samoa. <laughs> That's a really interesting, really niche take. Um, <laughs> yeah, horrible. And I'm not going to... There is Chelsea fans on Twitter going, we knew Nicholas Jackson had this. We, we knew we had to be patient. Had what? They can't be, they're not serious, are had they? Had what? Against nine men. He had chances in this game that he should have, he should have scored before he, he put two away in the 94th and the 97th. Yeah. And and if they had, if if Spurs, if their gutsiness had come back and they'd, they'd gotten a point out of this game, there would be fingers at Nicholas, pointed at Nicholas Jackson again. And and good on him. He's, he's got some goals and, and it may put some confidence behind him, but geez, I'm still yet to see it. Yeah. Should we go straight into just talking about the red cards from this game? Because uh, there's, there's, for some reason, there's pretty mixed feelings about it. There was one that was given a yellow that maybe could have been a red, and then there's the straight red, and then there's the second yellow. What do we think? Um, but where do you want to start? The first, the first destiny of doggy yellow. Yeah, go with that. Yeah. Um. Fuck, it's dangerous, man. Um. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand that there is probably actually no contact here, and that's that's yeah. why he's only given a yellow. But I think we're both on the same page that the reason there is no contact here is because Raheem Sterling has shit his pants and made sure that he could do everything he possibly could to not have his leg broken. And we can't have footballers coming in off the ground with both pairs of studs showing and, and rely on attackers to jump out the way. This this has to be a red card for me because it's something that people need to turn around and go, fuck, I'm never going to do that again or or I can't be doing or. Did you see yeah, what happened to action. your dog? Yeah, I can't do it again. That is the most reckless challenge that I've seen all season in the Premier League. All yeah. season. And we're in. I just, I will go to it quickly, but it might be a good comparison is that I think we both agree that the Christian Romero red card is a red card on the basis of what we've seen so far this season. Whether you agree with it or not, the, the follow through action is, is a red. Yeah. On what we've seen this season, it's a red card. But fuck, that tackle is not half as dangerous as this first Destiny Doggy Yellow card. I don't think we can be sending players off for what Christian Romero's done here if we're not sending players off for what Destiny Doggy's done for his first No, nah, 100% agree. I think, I feel like we might be in the minority on this because I know people tend to just see it as, you know, he didn't get him, he didn't touch him, and it's just good, hard football, whatever. It's, it's in the rules. You can't go studs up with two feet like that. It's in there for a reason because it's super dangerous and, it's so forceful and aggressive that, like you said, the only reason there's no contact is because Sterling's looking at him going, shit, like, is, is he meant to stand there and get his leg snapped so that it can be a red card? I don't think so. No, you got to punish the action. And I think that action was definitely worth a red. Um, Romero's, 
I'm not as convinced these ones are. You know what I mean? Where they're like they're kind of you know those ones where they're they're both standing kind of front on with each other. There's no giant wild like slide in. It's just kind of a, a the timing's a bit wrong. I understand why he's given the red. That's just what they do now. But I'd be happy for them to be a harsh yellow. Yeah, I think this this one is where we go back to Malagusto and and Curtis Jones because that's where we've seen this so far this season. And yeah. and for both of those, I feel like the players have gone in for the ball and yeah. it's a, half a pass and half a tackle. And they've got yeah. to the ball first, but their momentum has carried them through the player in front of them and, Absolutely, and yeah. being a red card. I just wonder with this Christian Romero red card, if Romero is standing, he's actually not making a challenge whatsoever here. This is just a clearance or a pass from Christian Romero. And and he swings high and he follows through strong. But to me, this is more Enzo Fernandez coming into Christian Romero's space than it is Christian Romero's momentum taking him into Enzo Fernandez. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I, it's such a you're not gonna slap it's the referee tough over because, the back of the head because it's such a hard thing to to adjudicate. They always look heaps worse on the replay as well, and that's why we're seeing so many of these with VAR being given a red card. I think did he give it a red initially, or did he go to VAR to get the red? I'm pretty confident he Can't gave a red straight away. Okay, it's still I think it's harsh, like especially given the pace of the game. I think what you need to consider is the speed of the two players involved as well and, like, how much reckless intent there really is for something like that, especially if, like you said, Udogi's only going to get a yellow for his sprinting in and <laughs> lunging with two feet through the air, stud showing. Uh, but this one is, you know, much less reckless. It's a painful one, sure, but I don't think it's it's as dangerous. Um Udogi does get sent off eventually. Second yellow, he knew as soon as he made the tackle, didn't he? Yeah, I think he just thought, you know, he's a he's a very quick player, and I think he just thought that he potentially had the extra step, and he lunged and and he made a mistake. And you can see the way he rolled over and put his hands on his face as soon as he knew that he didn't get the ball, he knew he was gone. Yeah, beauty. Uh, we haven't really taught goals, but obviously we mentioned Jackson's hat trick. Um, mentioned that Dyer scored just after, and the flag went up. And what a result that would have been. I feel like I've got two questions I kind of want to ask, one for each club here. But for Spurs, obviously, do they will they take much out of this result um, given they went down to nine men and they had a bunch of injuries? Or I think we saw from Ange that they, he was pretty adamant they were going to continue to play the same way. Saw that photo of them with <laughs> such a ridiculously high line down to nine men. That's just the way they want to play and he's committed to it. What, what do you make of all that? Do you think? Uh, yeah, is, I, is that okay, or should he have changed it up? I'm, and... I'm gonna be in a minority here because I've seen a lot of love for the way that Ange Postecoglou went about this on on Twitter, and that it's a great thing to see teams, you know, go for it. Like Ange, they they obviously thought that they could still win this game. That there Absolutely. was a percentage chance that with ten they could win this game, and, and you know, with nine that percentage goes down, but they kept going for it, and it was it was the way they were gonna play. I think this is a the first blight on Ange Postacoglu's top top level management inexperience. Um, I think this is the first time he's been in a situation and he doesn't know it yet that, geez, like we spoke about with Liverpool dropping points and giving that gap to Man City, in this league, a point could be so valuable if you're if you're part of a title race. And then they genuinely believe that they are. And and at this current point in time, they're now one point behind Manchester City. If they set up behind that ball and scraped a point out of this game, all of a sudden you're, you're back square. And 
that could be so valuable in this league. And I don't think that, that Ange has ever come across this. When he managed the Raw here in Australia, they won the league by 20-odd points. When he was when he was with Celtic, they were way too good for Rangers at times. And I just I think this is the first time he's been mm. in a situation where you have to be mentally strong enough to think, fuck, we could win this, but how valuable is a point now in this scenario? If at the end of the season we win the title by one or two points or we make Champions League by one or two points, we're going to look back at that time where we were resolute with nine men against Chelsea and we held on for a point. I kind of, I, I, I think I do agree with you. However, I, I disagree with you on the fact that it's uh, calling it inexperience on Andrew's behalf. I, like, I don't think, there's no way Andrew's that naive. I don't think he's he knew full where he's he's fully aware of the situation and the you know the things that come with this sort of approach with nine men against Chelsea you know everything that's at stake I don't think it's inexperience he just he just wants to stick to his guns there and and in fairness to him with nine men against Chelsea they looked shaky at the back like yeah, they Chelsea had chances. Honking at the back Son, still, even against nine men. So Son had a good chance, and if he scored, we might not be having this conversation. But yeah, so yeah. All right. The other one was with Chelsea. A similar question, but how much do they take out of this? I guess I've seen a lot of talk about maybe maybe a confidence boosting win. I guess, but the maybe I'm just saying this because I hate Chelsea. But you can't. They, I wouldn't be taking a whole lot out of this. <laughs> I mean, this goes back to what I spoke about last week. They're 11 games in for 15 points, and seven of those points have come against, sorry, five of those points have come against now Arsenal, Liverpool, and Spurs, three of the top four sides in the league. Yeah. Chelsea now, after those games where they've gotten points off Liverpool and Arsenal, they've gone and dropped points in a scenario where they shouldn't have. And and next week they, they go to, you know, they have a tough run coming up. Their, their next game, they go to, they've got Manchester City coming to Stamford Bridge. They're not good enough to, to hold Manchester City out, surely. A, a full a full Man City outfit, they're not taking much from it. And then they have Newcastle so. Newcastle at St. James's Park. I'm not convinced they're good enough to go to St. James's Park and come away with a point. So if they, to me, if they go and lose those two games, which they're probably expected to lose, it's then about how they bounce back. They they followed up with Brighton coming to Stanford Bridge and Brighton have fallen off the, fallen off the wagon a little bit. And if Chelsea are going to push themselves back up the table and, and threaten for European football at any point in this season, then they have to start winning those games. It's less about what they can do away to Spurs against nine men and more about the games that they need to win at home. Yep. Fair assessment. Um, James was a big in for Chelsea. That's uh, not big enough probably to get them a result against any of the better sides, but a huge difference because that the bloke that's been playing right back for them stinks. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I was looking through this list of injuries for Chelsea and I just still, what's the time? Do you know what the timeline is in, on Nkunku? I'm pretty confident we're, we're about to see Christopher Nkunku make his Chelsea I, debut in the coming I'm so week. excited about this player and I'm just so sad that we're going to see him play for Chelsea and not someone else, well, literally just, anyone else. I, I been just wonder if he it. comes if he comes straight in for Nicholas Jackson or... Once he Has once to. he's he's he probably comes off the bench in his first game or two, but once he comes in into the starting eleven, how much does does Nkunku as a starting striker elevate Chelsea from where they are with Jackson as a starting striker? A lot. Yeah, I think so too. A I lot. think we're going to yeah. see a a decent Chelsea resurgence with with a good striker. I don't mean any offense to Nicholas yeah. Jackson, but I don't think he's shown the quality to to lead the line for a side like Chelsea. Yeah, I think Nkunku is a fantastic player. I can't, I've can't. i been waiting to see him unloosed in the Premier League and we've been robbed of it for the first 
first few months. All right, that's it for the Premier League. Uh, maybe just a quick wrap before we go of what else has been going on. I mentioned De Classica before, but Bayern absolutely wiped the floor with Dortmund. It was a bit of a disgrace, to be honest. Um, I hate some of these players. <laughs> I'm just so off them. Like, Mats Hummels can just, just go. Like, please just leave. Like, he's not good anymore. He's shocking. He's The first goal is a corner comes in. This is like the third minute of a derby. And Hummels completely misses the ball from a header. He jumps with Fulkrug and they both miss it. And Schlotterbeck's already lost his man, which was Upa Meccano. Um, something we talked about last week was centre-backs marking centre-backs, centre-backs from corners. Dortmund did it and they conceded straight away. So maybe that's why you don't do it. Um, Harry Kane literally walked the next goal in the net. And from there, it was just a disaster show from Dortmund. Turnovers, conceding the ball in the back third for goals. and Just a shit show. It could have been five or six nil. And a really depressing continuation of Bayern's route over Dortmund in the last, you know, five, six years. So there you go. There's that. Um, Syria Lukaku on the score sheet with a late winner after missing a penalty against Lecce. Juve got a 1-0 win against Fiorentina. Uh, Inter beat Atalanta 2-1 away. That's a big win. Um, Latara Martinez, I'm talking about this guy every week these days. I know Tommy's a big fan of him now, but he, for me, is cemented in the top like five or six strikers in the world at the moment. The goal he scored on the weekend was all class yet again. Um, just an absolute gun. But a 2-1 win for them, huge given uh, Milan lost 1-0 at home to Udinese. They had an absolute stinker. Um, a Rodrigo Pereira penalty, former Juve midfielder. He's like 37 or something now, but he's still running around just scoring goals. And... Uh, into, into two points clear. Milan dropping out of the race now. They're four points behind Juve, six points behind Inter. So Inter and Juve probably running off together, which I think is the way a lot of people predicted it. There you go. How do you like yeah. that? No, nah, it's good. Um, I think with with Serie A, that that title race with with Juve not being the dominant powerhouse that they have been for the last decade, that like you said, that inter win against Atalanta is such a valuable mm. three points given given the state of the table at the top there. Yep. Um, Atalanta not quite the same as they have been in recent years, just struggling a little to replace the, the gun strikers that they lost, like Duvan Zapata and stuff. Uh, Roma, your boys were on right down like 16th, 17th only a couple of weeks ago and now uh, seventh place and they're right on the back of the right on the back of the Champions League spots now. So there you go. Yeah, come through nicely. Lukaku scoring a few goals is handy. I think that was probably the thing that, that Roma needed to add a little bit. The Bellotti experiment hasn't necessarily worked completely for Roma so far. So to bring in Lukaku and have him find the back of the net consistently is always good. Mm, good shit. I reckon we'll leave it there. Um, thanks for joining me. I don't... Well, hope, hopefully Tommy's all right, but we're going to record a red, a red edition. So stay tuned for that this week. That'll probably go up a day later than this one if you're listening to it. So um, Adelaide won, Melbourne victory won. We've got a fair bit to unpack there. Man, I was feeling feral and violent in that one. So we'll do that one. All right. See you later.